Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Uh, good morning, my name is Daryl. Um, I'm the pastor here at Arbor Bridge. Um, super grateful to get to uh, spend this morning with you, whether you're here with us in person or online. Uh, just ecstatic about the idea of, of having uh, Lydia and Jordan and Peter and Grace with us today. Um, Johannes and, yeah, thank you. Yeah, great job, guys. Uh, our, uh, our normal worship leaders had to be out today, so um, we, we get these guys, um, so thank you. Uh, I, I, I love in, in the chorus, we, you know, we, we jump back in there and we say, I, I don't have to be afraid of the future. The future doesn't scare me because he lives. Because he lives. Because he lives. Um, <clears throat> we, got, we, got, we have just a few moments together t- today, and so I, 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 want to, I want us to consider together one way that we can build a better future one way that we can build a better future. When we think about where we're headed, when we think about, if you're a Jesus follower, when you think about where we're going, what, what this is leading to, we can, have, we can build a better future. We can build a better future. Uh, an early church leader named Paul um, said this. He, he says, set your minds on things above. The reason why he said that is because he knew there's power in us thinking about the future. It, it, informs, it informs how we live now. It tells us what to do now when we set our minds on things above. Um, and if you, if you never think about heaven and if you never think about what's coming next, if you never think about our future together forever, then why would you ever be interested in investing in God's kingdom? Why would you ever think that that's important? Why would you even think that mattered? But if we set our minds on things above. So last week I introduced our church leader, our church, what our church leadership is calling an investment card. Um, I, asked, I asked you to give some thought to uh, how much money that God gives you to manage. Do you want, do you believe that he wants you to invest back into his kingdom, into his church? Um, and I, I, wanted to, I wanted you to give some thought to that, pray about it. If, if you're married, talk to your spouse about it. If you're not married, talk to some friends about it. What, what I find when I'm talking about these kinds of things like money, um, it helps me to talk with someone else about it because either they'll help me, inspire me to go further or they'll help me right size what I might be, might, I might you know, if I'm, if I'm overdoing it and trying to, uh, trying to, to, to give away my guilt, all I want for you to do is to, is to consider it. Pray and consider it. Um, and having, having our minds set on the fact that Jesus lives um, and that we're going to be seeing him soon can affect how we use our money. It should affect how we use our money. Um, and I, I think that uh, if you missed last week's message, I'd love for you to listen to it. Um, go back and listen. You can watch it on YouTube or you can listen to it on um, our website at arborbridgechurch.com forward slash messages. I'd uh, love for you to, to watch that. Um, if, you, if, you, uh, if you're willing, I'd like to ask you to fill out an investment card and put it in the white box out there in the lobby. 
um, at the end of our worship service, but by the end of our worship service um, next Sunday, uh, February 20th. Um, if you're not going to be here in person, then uh, please fill out one online at arborbridgechurch.com forward slash investment. Um, you'll, find, uh, you'll find that a form there that you can use that will come, come directly to me. Um, if you consider yourself a part of our church family, would you do this? Um, would you do this? Uh, and if you're like, why, why should we do that? Or I don't really get it. Um, go back and listen to that message. And I, I kind of, I try to walk through all of those things. Or certainly you can talk with me afterwards or um, talk with one of our elders. Uh, we'd love to talk with you about any, uh, any, any questions you have about that. So before I move on, I want to just share a couple things. One of my mentors brought up to me that uh, it might be helpful if I shared a couple things uh, that are benefits of giving. Um, and so I, I decided to, to kind of try to fit this, fit this in here. So first, um, giving um, always results in receiving. Giving always results in receiving. Um, if you're a Jesus follower and you, and you've, you believe that what he says is true, um, listen to this. It says, give away your life. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. That's a promise. But not merely giving back, giving back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And because we're human, we're always asking, what am I going to get out of it? And even when you're not articulating that out loud, you're still, you know, we're still asking it in the back of, my, back of our minds, you know. Because when I, when I come to, if, I, if I'm willing to come to church, what am I going to get out of it? Or if I'm willing to come to that group, what am I going to get out of it? What am I going to get out of this, this relationship? What am I going to get out of any of these things? We're always asking that question. Um, and we do it unintentionally. Jesus knows this. Jesus knows it's the human condition that we always do this. Um, and it's, it's telling us. He's telling us that when we put our money into his kingdom, when we put our money into his kingdom, we're not just giving it away or throwing it out the window. It's an investment. We are investing in something that's far, far greater than anything you can hold on this planet. Um, it's, 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 giving, um, it's giving yourself an opportunity to get back, uh, give, get given back to you um, a bonus, a blessing. I am certain that when each of us get to heaven, when each of us get to heaven, we are all going to be disappointed and frustrated with ourselves that, that we didn't invest more of our lives and our resources in his kingdom while we were here. And if you've ever been in a situation where you hadn't a chance to invest in something up front, and then you, later on that investment becomes worth a whole lot of money. That kind of frustration times a million is what we will feel when we get to heaven if we don't invest here now. So giving always, 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 always results in receiving. Always results in receiving. I don't use the word always lightly. In this case, always. Another benefit of giving is that it keeps us from being greedy. None of us want to be greedy. All of us assume we're not greedy. Greedy, um, greed is hard to see in the mirror. Uh, it's hard to know if you actually are greedy. And if you are, if you are greedy, you probably won't know until it's too late. It, it, is, it is similar, it is similar to, to, to cancer. This is one of the reasons why, you know, the, the, you, when you go to the doctor, they, they do, they're, they're supposed to check you to make sure that you're healthy. 
We should be doing that kind of checks in regards to our hearts and greed because it'll sneak up on us. We always assume that in order to be uh, to greedy, greedy, you have to be super rich, right? Um, and we always assume that we're not rich. And we've talked about this you know, before, you know, and I'll say it like this. If you get to go on vacations, if you have a car, if you have a home, if you have food that's left over at the end of your meals, I mean, if, if you have a device in your pocket that's worth hundreds of dollars, you're rich, right? So you're richer than like 90% of the people in the world. Let's define greed though as this. Greed is assuming that all the money that comes to me is for me to spend on what I want. All the money that comes to us is for us to spend on what we want. It is not, right? The money that God gives me is not to spend however I want. It's for me to seek him and say, how do you want me to, how do you want me to spend your money? We're really, and we're really managers, right? We're managing his money. He gives us money to manage and we get to decide, how do, you know, God, how do you want me to spend this? Giving helps keep us from being something we don't want to be. It's like our checkup, our regular checkup, where we say, this isn't mine. This isn't mine. Last benefit of giving I want to mention today is that it keeps our hearts pure. It keeps our hearts pure. It keeps us willing one thing when we invest in his kingdom. Um, and we talked about this last week, so if you missed that, I, I won't go into that more. Just check out that message like I asked you before. So last week, um, I said our giving goal each week will be $2,000. Um, my friend uh, Karen brought up to me uh, that my slide said 2200 and I said $2,000. Um, so the slide was wrong. Um, it's 2000 So what will your part be in helping our church family reach that goal? What will your part be? Um, in addition to our giving goal, I've been bringing up in this series, I've been bringing up some specific goals that I believe God's leading us toward this year, prayer and margin. Um, super important. I have lots of ideas about why they're important, and we'll, we'll talk about that throughout you know, the, the year, but prayer and margin. And so I need you to lean in and just trust me on that. As a part of our focus on prayer, we're going to be reading a book called Teach, us, Teach Me to Pray. Um, I've got a few copies of these, of those, these books here. Uh, probably like three or four. Um, they're, they're $10 if you'd like one. Um, I would like for you to get this book. You can get it in audio, or audio form or electronic form. I don't care what form you get it in, but I want you to read along with us. Um, and <clears throat> beginning the last Sunday in February, we're going to be going through uh, uh, the, this book a chapter a week. Um, we'll kick it off. We'll kick off our readings with a sermon series. Um, would you please get this book? Would you please get this book and read along with us? Um, and if, if you come along stuff that's, you know, hard to understand or, you know, you're wrestling with or you don't like or you disagree with, that's totally cool. Um, I have already, you know, as I've gone through it, I, there, I, that's happened to me. I, I want us to go through it together. Part of, part of the value of, of reading scripture together or reading things like this together, are, are, we, get to, we get to have some group think about what does that mean and what is, what is God calling us to in this? Um, yeah, I'd love to, love, love to do that. Um, each week we're going to release a video also that uh, when I'm meeting with that, somebody from our church family and they're giving a little bit of feedback on what they thought the, about that specific chapter. Um, if you're willing to do that, love to, love to have you be uh, one of the people that I do a video with. Again, short video, like three minutes, but I'd love, just, I'd love the idea of having us participate together in this. As a part of our focus on margin, 
um, in the late spring, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a biblical series, I, I mean, a, a series on the biblical command of Sabbath. Um, so several years ago, I read a book called Subversive Sabbath. Um, I shared this with some of you guys. I'm still working on me. I, I want to share some of these ideas with you. The word Sabbath means rest, day of rest. Um, it was seemed illogical that I'd have to beg people to rest, but I do. Um, it, it, it's, it's bananas. It's crazy. You see, I want, I want to invite us to, to, to put more margin in our lives, more space, more downtime, and this is the way we're going to do it. A few weeks ago, uh, my friends uh, Roy and Carrie graciously made their cabin available for a weekend, um, and we, I took a few of our church family members who, who are willing to, uh, to be some early adopters of some of the prayer and margin ideas that, uh, that we're putting into practice. It's a great weekend uh, for rest and relationship building and meeting with the Lord. Uh, and th- there are several of you who expressed interest in going but couldn't come uh, that specific weekend uh, for various reasons. So I wanna, I'm going to make another weekend available during the weekend of March 25th through the 27th. I'll be hosting a second retreat um, at a cabin about 45 minutes from here um, in Michigan uh, in an area called the Irish Hills. If you're from this area, you know, it's, it's, it's relatively close. Love for you to come and experience um, some rest, some margin. Um, I, I want our whole church family, you know, these are ideas that our whole church family going to participate in later this year, but uh, it, it'll be experienced in a, in a relatively uh, intense way. Intense isn't the right word, but um, just a concentrated way. Um, Would you consider um, spending time with me on this weekend? Um, If you would like to bring your children, um, we want to, we want to make, we want to wrap them into this too and wrap them into our our margin and our Sabbath practice. So kids are as, as much a part of our church family as anyone. So let me know if you'd, you'd like that. Because Roy and Carrie don't have a cottage in, in uh, the Irish Hills in Michigan, do you, do you guys know? No? Not yet. Okay, we're, okay, we're working towards that. Uh, because they don't have that, uh, the cost is a little bit higher. It'll be $80 a person um, that week. But if money is an issue, uh, you know, talk with me. Um, talk with me. Don't let that stop you. Uh, if, we're, if we're a family together, then we, we could talk about that. Um, if, I, if money's an issue for me and I can't do something, I talk with my wife and I say, hey, this is, this is something I want to get. Um, since we're a family, if money's an issue for you, don't, don't feel weird or ashamed about uh, talking with me about that. Uh, we, want, we, we want you to be there. Um, and again, it's an investment. It's an investment. It's an investment in the kingdom. Investments like these are what help purify our hearts, um, get us ready, will help us keeping, keep, keep, keep ourselves from being greedy and self-focused. Um, and, and when we invest like this, there's blessing we receive when we give. We give our time, we give our resources. So let me uh, have you consider that, consider those ways of investing in this church family. So that being said, all, all these things are about rebuilding a better future for our church. All these things are leading towards that, uh, the, the finances, the time, the resources, the investment that I'm asking you to think about. Uh, we've been using the ancient Jewish people to talk about this, to build a pattern for our rebuild. The Jewish people are, were rebuilding a city together. Uh, when you read about it, it feel, if, you, if you've ever read um, Ezra or Nehemiah, um, and some of, you, some of the Bible nerds in the room, you might know this already, um, Ezra and Nehemiah were actually one book originally. Um, for all the, in, and in the Hebrew Bible, I think it still is one book, but we split it up. But in those two stories, they basically, they talk about the rebuild of a city. And when you read it, it feels like it happens in 15 minutes. Um, it, it, it goes quickly, but it didn't. 
Um, beginning with, uh, with a, when a Persian king sent Jewish people back to the nation of Judah, the city of Jerusalem, you know, to, to rebuild the walls and the city and the altar and the temple. It took about 94 years. Um, they, from, from the time where they left to the time that they, they, they got done, it took about 94 years. Um, the rebuild of our church family won't take 94 years, hopefully. Um, but uh, it will take some time and dedication. So when we talked about Ezra last week, the people, they, the people show up and they begin rebuilding. They begin their rebuilding process with sacrifice. They, they begin with sacrifice. Everything, we, everything you, you truly want, everything when you sit around at home and you think, man, I'd really love that. Everything you truly want, the most valuable things are on the other side of sacrifice, Right? They're on the other side of hard. They're on the other side of, I, I give up. I, they're, they're, they're on the other side of being willing to do that. That's how they begin. And a man named Nehemiah ends up finishing the work by, by taking lead and seeing that the walls of the city are rebuilt. So Nehemiah hears about the need of having the, the walls rebuilt, and he's moved by that need to do something about it. And the first thing he does, first thing he does, first thing he does, is the first thing I want us to bring us back to. He prays. The first thing he does is pray. The first thing he does is dedicate himself to prayer. Listen to this. Listen to this. This, this is what he says. Lord, you are the God of heaven. You are a great and wonderful God. You keep your covenant you made with those who love you and obey your commandments. You show them your love Please, please pay careful attention to my prayer. See how your people are suffering. Please listen to me. I'm praying to you day and night. I'm praying for the people of Israel. We Israelites have committed sins against you. All of us admit it. I and my family have also committed sin against you, have also sinned against you. We've done some very evil things. We haven't obeyed the commands, rules, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember what you told him? You said, if your people are not faithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, I will bring you back. If you obey my commands, I will gather you together again. I will bring you back from the farthest places on earth, and I will bring you to the special place where I have chosen to put my name Lord, they are your people. They serve you. You used your great strength and mighty hand to set them free from Egypt. Lord, please pay careful attention to my prayer. Listen to, all, listen to the prayers of all of us. We take delight in bringing honor to your name. Give me success today when I bring my request to King Artaxerxes. When I look at this prayer, it reminds me of the Lord's Prayer, if you're familiar with that. There's so many elements that, that are similar. Nehemiah prays this prayer for his people to be rebuilt, for, this, for their suffering to be ended. Um, would you do me this favor? Would you do this for me? Would you read this yourself this week? Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1, uh, it's like five through 11, it would take you like, whatever, five minutes, 10 minutes. Would you read Nehemiah 1, five through 11? And then as, you, as you're reading it, would you use it for a pattern 
pray. Pray for us. Pray, pray for this, this church family. Would you use it as a pattern to pray? He begins with the greatness of God. What a great way to begin prayer. Um, I forget to do this all the time. When I, when I pray, I just jump right in. God, I want this. He begins with the greatness of God. He goes on to the suffering of people and admits his sinfulness. Like, I, I spend a lot of time asking God for the things that I want, but I don't spend very much time confessing my sins, and they're a lot. I love how he owns, he does something that we don't like to do. He says, we are sinners. And he doesn't, he doesn't try to downplay it or soft sell it. He says, we've done some evil things. When's the last time you've admitted, you know, I've done some evil things. God is great. Praying for the suffering of people. Admit we're sinners. That's a good start. And then remind God and yourself of his promises. Remind God and yourself of his promises. Would you do that? Would you do that? And as you pray for that, prepare, prepare for an opportunity to see us become the family that we are. He starts with prayer and then he begins to prepare. Like based on faith. He gets ready for what's next. Listen to this. After Nehemiah prayed this prayer, the very next verse is this. One day during the month of Nisan, four months later, when Emperor Artaxerxes was eating dinner, I took the wine to him and he had never seen me look sad before. So uh, this is going to be a defining moment for Nehemiah. This is going to be a big deal, but I want you to pay attention to this. Four months later, four months later, what's he doing during those four months? So he prays the prayer. So if something, if I start praying for something that takes four months, I'm like, I'm out. That's too long. Like when I pray, I want God to do it tomorrow. I mean, that's, that's like I'm waiting. I mean, that's a long time. I, I really want him to do it now, but I'm going to give him a little bit of space. Four months later, he's praying this prayer. What's he doing? Praying and preparing. Praying and pre- preparing. Getting ready. Uh, and there are opportunities in your life and in mine that pass us by because we are not prepared for them when they arrive. You prayed for them, but you didn't bother preparing. And so when they come, you are not ready. You're not ready. He prays, prays and then he prepares. The king says, what do you want? What can I do for you? And when he asks that question of Nehemiah, he is ready. Nehemiah brings the king um, his wine and an opportunity presents itself and Nehemiah is ready to take it. So if someone were to ask you, people ask, sometimes I'm in, a, I'm in a conversation and people ask me questions like this. Joe, what do you want to do with this church? Where do, you, where do you think this thing, this is going? If someone were to ask you, what do you want out of your life? Or out of your relationship with this church? What do you want out of your relationship with this church? What do you want? And most of us would have to say, I don't know. I have no idea. 
Proverbs 13, 16 says this, a wise man thinks ahead. And that is what I, that is what I ask you to do with your money, most certainly. Think ahead. Think, think ahead. Think about how, how, the best, best, best way you can use your money. Think ahead. But then think about our life together as a church family. Think ahead. What, what do we want to become? What do we want this to look like? What do we want to have happen when people come here and they say, I am lonely and desperate for community. What do we want to be? How do we want to be able to respond? Think ahead towards that. And then how do we create it? Pray, prepare. Pray and prepare. Let's pray. Let's prepare for the opportunities that God's going to bring to our church family. I don't want us to be just a family in name. I call us a church family because that's our vision or that's what we're going towards. But it needs to be that. Not just because I say it, but because it is that. It is that. Do, so let me ask you this. Do you have the margin in your life to be the kind of family that, that God's calling us to? Do you have the kind of margin for that to happen? The time margin. Do you have time in your life to be a family with a group of people like this? Do you even want that? Maybe you don't want that. If you're willing, we need to pray for it. And we need to prepare for it. And you could do that by, you could, you could start by just asking, asking a few questions. Is this what I want out of a church? Where are we at now? What's my role in this family? And then this, do I have any margin in my life for the kinds of relationships that are, that, are, that are going to be required to make this a family? And as you pray and begin asking those questions, you'll have an opportunity to be prepared when God opens the door for the opportunity. So I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you to prepare. And last thing I wanted to ask you to do, uh, you know, to, to think about as we begin rebuilding is expect fear. Expect to be afraid. But don't let it stop you. Expect to be afraid, but don't let it stop you. This is like the devil's tool for stopping us from doing everything, right? As soon as you, as soon as you decide, I'm going to make a move to do this or change this in my life. Listen to this. Wine was brought in for King Artaxerxes. It was the month of Nisan in the 20th year of his rule. I got the wine and gave it to him. This is Nehemiah talking. I got the wine and gave it to him. I hadn't been sad in front of him before, but now I was. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You aren't sick. You must be feeling very sad. I was really afraid. Nehemiah says he's really afraid. But I said to the king, may you live forever. And then he says this, why shouldn't I be sad? The city where my people of long ago are, are my people of long ago are buried has been destroyed, and fire has burned up its gates. And the king said to me, "What do you want?" I prayed to the God of heaven, and then I answered the king. So, what's happening here? I don't know if you see it. What's happening here is a super duper boss move. Um, it's easy to miss. Because we don't understand their culture and we don't understand what's going on here, but it's, it's a boss move. This opportunity, and this is the opportunity he's been praying for for four months. First, he allows himself to be sad in front of the king. 
Um, so in ancient times, kings got whatever they wanted, any whim, anything, they, they'd get whatever they wanted and they'd have people killed on whims all the time. Oh, I don't like that guy, get him out, dead. At that time, one of the things that could get you killed is being sad in the king's presence. What they wanted, what the kings wanted often was everything to always be fun and always be exciting, just to always be a party, always around them. So if you were sad, you left that at home or you left that in your room, you left that somewhere else and you showed up and you were like, hey, everything's great. And to be, to let yourself be sad in the king's presence was dangerous. Because if he was in a bad mood, he'd say, yeah, that guy, the guy who's looking all back, sad back there, cut his head off. And that is why he says, I was really afraid. But he's going into the room intentionally, intentionally letting himself be sad. So the king will ask this question and he'll have a, it'll be his opportunity. And when he does, when he does, the king says, what's wrong with you? Nehemiah takes this up and says, well, why? He says, the king says, why are you sad? And Nehemiah's like, why shouldn't I be sad? Oh, okay, enough. Off with your head. Bye. Why shouldn't I be sad? My city, my nation has been destroyed. You don't burden the king with your problems, but that's exactly what Nehemiah is, Nehemiah is about to do. And that's why he's so afraid. But he's Expected fear. He expected fear, and when he was afraid, he knows what to do. Full circle, right? When he's afraid, what does he do? He prays. He prays. Which is interesting because when I'm afraid, typically what I do is I go through and I, all, I'm, I'm trying to make a list of all the, and think through and I'm, I'm going to make it work and I, I'm going to, on my own strength, I'm going to fix this. Or If you're going to be used by God, if we're going to be used by God, if we're going to be the family that, that God calls us to be, you will be asked by the Lord to do something that is scary to you that you're not used to or you're not you don't normally do or you wouldn't pick on your own you you will be asked that you will be asked that will you be ready when that opportunity comes will you be ready willing to move ahead in spite of your fear be afraid that is all right but don't let it stop you dang it don't let it stop we know, we know, every great thing, every powerful thing that's going to happen in your life is going to be on the other side of sacrifice and on the other side of fear. Facing your fears, you will be afraid of what comes next. I don't even know what that means yet. You will be afraid of it. Whatever it is, you can't let it stop you. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear stop you. What brings us full circle around back to the, back to the verse we sang together, because he lives, we started with today. In just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. And I want us to set our minds on things above as a way to get motivated to rebuild this church family and as a, as a way to mo- get motivated to go past fear towards this, this thing. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. 
And, when it, when it, and honestly, when that verse says that, it doesn't mean it's gone like, oh, I don't feel any fear anymore. It's gone practically because it doesn't boss me around. It doesn't tell me what to do. Nehemiah, motivated by his relationship with God. You can see it in his prayer life, but you can see it in his, his practical life. He spent time praying and preparing, and fear does not stop him. We can be like him. We can be like him. We can be like him. Set your mind on things above. During this time of communion, let's focus again on our future together. And not, not, not like tomorrow, not, not like 2023. Our future, Jesus followers together, a thousand years from now. We're going to have this like little reunion party. I'm going to send out the invitation. We're going to have a reunion party. And I'm going to be like, you guys, remember that time in Ann Arbor where we were killing it for Jesus Christ? Let me, let me, let me, let me, we're going to do like a slideshow. I'm going to do a slideshow of all the people who came to Christ because you and me were willing to not let fear stop us. Are you on board for that? Even if you are afraid to think of the future or think about death or think about a thousand years from now, expect that fear, but don't let it stop you. Think towards our future meeting with Christ and allow it to motivate you towards the goals for our church family, for God's kingdom. Yeah. Let's pray towards that together today as we take communion. Um, I'll pray and then... uh, We'll give you a few minutes to do that. So, dear Father, one day, each of us will cross that river. Each of us will will fight life's final war with pain. Each of us will have to give account for the resources that we have. you've You've given us to manage while we're on this planet. The time, the money, the... Every, our homes, our cars, our, everything you've given us, we're going to have to give account for those things. And so I pray that as death gives way to victory, each of us will see the lights of glory and we'll know that your son, Jesus Christ, lives. I pray that that would motivate us. That would boss us around. And those thoughts today as we de- would, would, would motivate us to dedicate ourselves to seeing your church and your kingdom flourish in this city and in the cities that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.